0: Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Man, well, um, I uh, just got done with my Thanksgiving. At our family, we celebrated for quite a few days, you know, it's not just one day. And uh, it it was really awesome to be at home, to be with my family and to see everyone, kind of like gather. Uh, I happen to be the youngest out of seven, so we have a pretty big family. And then everyone else is is married. Uh, so when uh, you know, when when people come over, they come with their kids, and then the whole house is terrorized. But um, you, you know what I mean? Like Thanksgiving is, is is amazing on one hand because you get to see each other, you get to love one another, you get to be thankful. But then there's other things about Thanksgiving that you might not really enjoy. For example, the conversations at times—if you're a Trump supporter, if you're—you know, like regardless, right? Like, there is some conversations that go on. If you're like me, you look forward to going, you know, every single Thanksgiving to your parents' house and get drilled about how you're still single and how you should change that and how, you know, why why aren't you married yet and so on and so forth. And if you're married, um, most likely the questions are like something like this it's been five years, why don't you have babies? Uh, why is that like, why, why, And if you have one baby, uh, why did, why only one? Like, you, you guys have been married for seven, so I'm just saying. Uh, and, um, you know, if your mother-in-law is over, then you know that's not the way to, that's not the way to do mashed potatoes. And you're not using the right, you know, pot for that. And uh, why is little Johnny running around with a baby gun terrorizing people? Like, do not teach him manners. And by the time you get extremely exhausted and you sit down to eat, you're just in time for the latest update from your uncle about the latest church scandal, pastor scandal, and so on and so forth. And uh, be really careful how you answer when you're asked why you're not drinking your tea because if you say, well, it's too hot, you might get a reply like, I don't know, like your temper, (laughs) You know those those subtle you know uh, when people say certain words and they're being a little bit sarcastic, but they're saying some truth, and it kind of hurts. But hey, you know what? If you if your family is broken, you can you know check out early and uh, take all the camping gear that you can, um, so you can go and spend your night in Walmart parking lot. So you can buy something that it's not broken. You know, like, so you can get the chance to be trampled by strangers and, you know, elbow your, your, your way to the appliance aisle and to get, you know, that juicer that you had to have, I mean, that you have to have, that's like $180, but, but now it's $160, it's for $20 off. And, and never mind the fact that you can get it on eBay for half the price, but regardless, you're too busy right now making your way in. You know, that juicer that... And and then you you buy that juicer, you bring it home, and um, from now on, you're going to be a healthy family, you know? As if a juicer can fix all your family problems, right? But then you realize after the second time of making juice that um, that thing has about 13 pieces, and you have to clean all of them. So it turns out to be a lot more work than you expected. So you package it up back, and you, you throw it, you know, you put it on the shelf in the garage... With the $1,000 vacuum cleaner, Uh, you know, that's supposed to last a lifetime. It only lasts about a month. You know, that that vacuum cleaner. And then, you know, with the rice cooker and so on and so forth, all the useless stuff that you have in the garage. So you can spend in the next five years of your life cleaning the garage every single Saturday and look forward to the next Thanksgiving, next Black Friday, you know, so you can buy another useless thing that you can put in the garage as if that's going to fix anything. I'm kind of wondering if maybe a lot of times we do this because there's a deeper problem in all of us. You see, there's no Black Friday or, uh, you know, uh, Cyber Monday that can ever fix some of the things that we are going through. And when you hear people make kind of, you know, the little words that they say and being sarcastic about, and you know that a lot of the jabs people say to you, you know, they lodge deep within, and they hurt, and um, if you happen to have lost someone this Thanksgiving, there's also that whole aspect of, you know, they're not here this Thanksgiving, last last Sunday I was at the North Campus, and um, I started, I was supposed to speak the main message at the end, and I got up there and I tried to keep my composure, and everyone talked about right before me about how thankful they' are for our church, how everything's been so amazing and how many people they've met and so on and so forth and everyone's kind of getting teary eyed you know, and I'm like, Psh, not me, I'm not crying today, not today like i'm not I'm not going and I'm not doing that and I get up there you know, and I'm preaching and in the last five minutes of my sermon i kind of said, hey, th- this Thanksgiving, make sure that you take advantage of, you know, um, loving on the people that God has given you. I'm like, this Thanksgiving, make sure that you go and you tuck your kids at night and and you tell them a story, because you might not get to do that for a long time. You, you know, you don't know how many days we have here. We don't know how things can change. And then I made this one comment. This comment was, and make sure you say goodnight to your dad, because... You might not get the chance to do that again, well, a lot of people didn't know this, but my dad died two years ago, and when I made that comment, just a flood came over me, and I could not recover. I start crying uncontrollably and i'm you know I've been doing this long enough to kind of like be able to kind of control my emotions on stage, but this one comment just broke me, and I'm here trying to like preach, but on the other hand, I'm like trying to really, really kind of recover. <laughs> <laughs> from from crying and 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 then, after two minutes or so, this grandma just runs on stage and she just hugs me, and she starts praying for me. And then I realize there's no way I'm I can finish my sermon, so I decided that I'm just gonna hand it over to Pastor Russell. So as I hand the mic over to Pastor Russell, I realize the Pastor Russell is crying too and he can't talk either. So he passes <laughs> passes the mic to uh to Pastor Eric. You see, in that moment, what happened there is the Holy Spirit decided to minister to me while I was ministering to other people. Because we can go along and pretend like everything is okay. You can go along and say, I'm fine. You know, if you lost someone and you don't get to see them this Thanksgiving, like you can pretend like you're good. And when somebody takes a jab at you with a comment, it's meant to belittle you and put you down. You pretend like you're fine. You pretend like everything's okay, I'll I'll be okay. But then, there are those moments where everything starts to flood back in. And maybe sticks and stones can break your bones, but words, they destroy. They destroy relationships. And you make vows with yourself that, you know what, I'll never... Put myself in that situation again. I'll never go to a family like that anymore. And you make a whole bunch of vows. And and if you're growing up, you made, if you were bullied, or if you someone called you by a name, you made a certain vows. Like, I don't need people. People are stupid. And like, you, you start to agree with some of the things that the enemy comes and puts in your mind. When somebody makes a comment at you that's, it's supposed to be a comment, and they're like, oh, we're just saying it because we love you. It didn't, feel, it didn't feel like you loved me. I was just, you, were, you know, we're joking. But if you know there's some truth to it, you know it hurts. It, you, you don't just brush it off, it's there. I remember growing up, I, I, was, I was playing in the street with this friend, and it just so happens that we had this broken wheelbarrow. And he decided that he's gonna like give me a ride on it. And when I was I was uh, I was riding on it, I fell somehow. When I got this huge wound in the back, and actually got infected. So, and for a season, I I really felt the pain of that. But then there's one comment that he made about a month after, and both of us knew that what I had in the back was because of his fault. <laughs> and sometimes I let him know, <laughs> but. This one comment that he made—it's funny because I—I don't remember any of this story until I remember that one comment he made about me. And it's—it's it's like, you know, like the wound I suffered for months, but it's been like twenty years, and somehow I'm still affected by that one comment. See, the the wounds of the flesh, right? Like the wounds of your in your back, where if you, you know, maybe. Uh, injured yourself, they hurt for a season, right? And then they heal. That's the natural process of things. But emotional wounds, they can last a lifetime. They can not go away for a very long time. And and, and what happens is, do, do, do you know like when you have a wound in your in your uh, arm and if you don't take care of it, if it gets infected, then your, your body is going to try to heal itself and it's going to produce a lot of it's going to produce a big scar and that's why when you get a cut you go and get stitches where you get some kind of some some way to close that wound so you don't get a big scar but if you allow it to kind of like heal on its own you might have a big scar a very calloused and uh, and what, what happens is when you being, uh, when when you um heal over and when you have a scar it doesn't your skin feels a lot feels a lot more than a scar does because a scar is calloused, right? So what happens with us is when we get wounds in our hearts and we don't really take care of those wounds, if they don't heal properly, then your heart starts to be calloused. And then you put up walls with different people because you don't want other people. Because last time you were vulnerable, Last time you decided to allow someone in, they hurt you. So you start putting up walls. You start to surround yourself with people that will just say yes and amen to you and will never challenge you because that hurts too much. You could do that. The problem is, though, your heart is going to lose touch with the reality. Your heart is going to start losing touch with feeling what's what's happening around, your heart is going to become stony. Jeremiah I believe says that God remove my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh to feel. Cs Lewis says this powerful quote that you know because in this moment where you felt the hurt, you felt you know the you know the the pain, You've hurt. I mean, you've you've hurt for so long, right? Like, and it's this process, and you you have a choice: to either be vulnerable again, and there's a possibility of getting of getting hurt again, or do you just put up walls and you say, "I'm not going to allow anyone in anymore"? C.S. Lewis says this powerful quote. He says, "To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart." ...will be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact... ...you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round with hobbies and little, little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, you will change. You will not become broken... You'll become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be a vulnerable. What C.S. Lewis is saying is that every single time you love, you put yourself at risk to be broken, to have heartbreak. Every single time you, you and he says, look, if you if you want to make sure that your heart is not broken, make sure you don't gi- you don't give it to anyone, not even a puppy, because if the puppy dies, you will be heartbroken. So have your little hobbies and and go through life. But in that process, if you lock up your heart in your selfishness, you'll become irredeemable. You'll become, you know, unbreakable. So I want to focus on this, our hearts and how they stand before the Lord. In um, Proverbs 4.23 says this, um, this is... This is Solomon, right? Like, this is the smartest guy that has ever lived. And he gives advice to especially young people. And he says this, 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another translation says, Guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of your life. The heart is the wellspring of your life. Now, I don't know... you understand what a well wellspring is, but I lived in Moldova for about 15 years and we didn't really have to tap water because we were too poor, but we had wells and we would go to the well and we just kind of drop a bucket and we would just kind of roll the bucket. If you lived in Russia or Moldova, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So, so nod like understand. <laughs> so, uh, you understand. So you'd bring water up and uh, what would happen a lot of times is, is um, if something were, were to fall into the well, the, the water would become contaminated. But back in the day, the whole city was built around a well. And what the enemy would do is try to poison that well, because they understood if they can poison the well, then guess what? The whole city might die. So they didn't have to fight the city. They just had to go and poison the well. And, And Solomon uses this illustration and says, look... Above all else, I gave you all this information. I gave you all this, you know, good advice. I just want to tell you this above everything else. So if Bill Gates were to tell you, hey, Slavic, I gave you all this advice, but above all else, he's setting up the stage for something really important about he he's about to say, right? If, if, you know, Warren Buffett or whoever can give you advice on business, like if they would say all that and then they would say above all else, this one thing, you would listen, right? So Solomon says, I gave you all this life advice, but above all else, remember, guard your heart. Put a guard around your heart. Make sure that you don't get your heart contaminated. Because if you do, then it's going to poison everything in your life. If that well is poisoned, the whole city will be poisoned. Everyone around you will die because of that. Because it's poisoned. There's other verses that talks about this. Um, Luke six forty five says, "The good person out of the good treasure of his heart." So Jesus is speaking; he's saying this produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A lot of people come up to me like, "Savicki." So Bro, you, you're just judging me by my actions and stuff. Like, what I say. Like, but God knows my heart. And I'm like, uh, where does that come from? Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if the, heart, if the mouth speaks something foul, that means the heart, there's a problem with the heart. There's a deeper issue. If you've been, you know, seeing the fruits of your labor and they're not good, there's a deeper problem. If you cannot get along with anyone, there's a deeper problem. You see, because every single time you get out of Thanksgiving dinner or lunch, every single time somebody says, or somebody bumps into you in a a very unconventional way, a little bit of your heart spills out, right? When somebody says a, a, a comment, it, that, that is designed to entice you. It's designed to, you know, it's a common, it's a hook, right? Just, just they invite you into an argument. I've learned throughout, you know, debating on Facebook, <laughs> that you don't have to attend every single argument that you're invited to. Every single time somebody throws a hook to hook you in, well, reel you in, you don't have to give into the bait. But your heart is, is going to show a lot. Your heart, every single time you, you bump into something. If I if I had my cup of water here and I, I bumped into the stand like, like I just did earlier, right? Some of that water would spill out. Same thing with the heart. When you bump into something, and if a cuss word comes out, it's coming from up here. It's coming from down here. Every single time somebody rubs you the wrong way, and you feel like throwing up every single shade you could possibly get, you know. There's a problem here. It's not just that one thing. And a lot of times we, we allow all these things to kind of like compress and marinate. And then somebody just asks you like, so uh, why are you just a single? And you're like, oh man, again, what is going on? Like, what's your problem? they might actually meant that in a good way. They might genuinely care about you. But because you've been thinking about it and it's been festering, when somebody says, well, you always, always what? Well, you got to start right now? Like, what, what are you, what? And you're ready for a fight. Why? Because you've never dealt with any of this. And the moment you bumped, it comes out. If you are worshiping here on Sunday and then on Monday morning you get stuck in traffic and you feels like every single person on the road is a, an idiot, it's not them. It's probably your heart. If you, if you cannot stand in a meeting and every single time he just bothers you. And, and the thing is, is that when, when our hearts are broken, they, they come into a lot of different forms. If you're irritated all the time, if you have little or no tolerance for anyone's kind of actions, where, where you, I'm so dumb with that person. Why are they, why, what's, what's going on? Like, shouldn't they get it by now? If you're constantly irritated, and you're not tolerant of people's, you know, faults, there's something wrong in here. If you, uh, you have feelings always rise up, if you're overly sensitive about your past, there's things that are not resolved. If you are hard to forgive, where it's hard for you to feel loved, where you keep on lashing out, um, there's a problem here. If you feel anger towards God and others, there's a problem here. If you feel easily frustrated, you know, where you're, you're just an hour into your job and the whole world is wrong, yeah, there's a problem here. If you feel like you're constantly escaping things, like it's called escapism, which is co- you're constantly looking into the latest uh, video game and latest, you know, um, website and the latest, you know, car and whatever, just to escape from reality. If you, if you go shopping on Black Friday that because you really need things, but because you just feel like if you can just get that juicer, you know that juicer, i think my life will be just perfect now from now on. If you just have to buy that vacuum cleaner because you don't need it, but you just you just have to because you 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 have to have something that's new and it works exactly how you tell it. There maybe it's maybe it's a sign there's something deeper festering inside. If you, you know, um, some, you know, if you're a teenager and you're cutting yourself, That's a sign of emotional pain, and it's also demonic, because if you remember, when Jesus delivered that demoniac, he says that he was cutting himself with rocks. If you have to be perfect, if you have this idea of, if everything is not perfect, we're not doing that. Mm -mm. No, I'm not putting my name on that. No. Well, welcome to real life. Nothing is perfect. If it's not just the right way, if, you, if you're constantly that way, you know, you, a lot of people, what they do is they can't control what things that happen to them. And they take something like working out and they can control it. And they go completely crazy and they're addicted to working out or addicted to eating toilet paper, which is a crazy thing. To, but there are people that do that. It's weird to think about. But the, this, this one thing they can control uh, they can control, like they control. You know, they might not be able. To, not, they might not be able to control their weight, but they can control if they eat or not. And, and or they, they they eat and they go throw up. There's a sign that something deeper that's broken inside. If you are feeling hopeless, if you have OCD, what's called obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, if you have hostility towards God, God and others, there's something deeper. And this there's this this passage in Jeremiah seventeen nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? He's saying that look, there's so much things going on that's really hard to understand exactly. Because when you start mixing guilt, anger, jealousy, and greed, and all those things start to kind of like fester together, it's a recipe for disaster. So as a pastor and as someone that that preaches, my hope this morning is that I can I can maybe unpack a little bit of that right I remember when I was driving my car one time and and my car just like out of like one moment right one moment everything started like all the light all my dashboard uh kind of like lit up like a Christmas tree right like all the lights that can possibly come on it came on and then my my steering wheel got really stiff and it was just it was crazy because I had to pullover and there's like things leaking from my From my car, and I'm thinking, like, what is going on? And I was just like, thinking, how much is this gonna cost? And then I went to the mechanic, and he came out with, you know, he came out with a sandwich, and he's like, oh yeah, Uh, all it is is just uh, a a broken pulley, and all we have to do is replace that. And and all that, you know, all that worry that I had about not driving my car again, in like a few minutes, just kinda dissipated. Cause I knew the problem was. I'm like, this is how you fix it. Right, so, so when you feel like someone says something at your Thanksgiving dinner and then you blow up, maybe we can unpack a little bit of that and say, okay, what's really poisoning your heart? What can actually poison a heart? Because you see, in the culture, we hear all these stories, we hear all these songs, and everyone sings about the what? The heart. You know, my heart will go on. Remember that song? It's like the 1990s if you're, I'm sorry if you're not from that era, but like, but like everyone sings about the heart and we say things like he or she is wearing their heart on their sleeve, meaning their emotions are for everyone to see, right? Like the idea here is that they're, they're just kind of like an open book, you know, every single time they, someone says something, they start crying, you know, because their emotions are out here for everyone to see, right? Like, so, so we talk about the heart a lot. But nobody's talking about, okay, what's, what's poisoning the heart? Let's go in there. So what do you think? What can possibly? If I can draw a kind of illustration between the regular heart right and then and the heart that it's talking about here, what can possibly what are some of the things that can poison a heart? Well, you know some of the things that, 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 that can poison the heart or it can actually destroy the heart is um, is jealousy. Jealousy says this. That God owes me. Jealousy says God could have made me better looking, but he didn't. God could have given me the car, the house, the talent. I mean, every time I see Yuri play, and I'm like, how? How does he play this? Like, how can he sing and play? Like, I still cannot carry one note. And like, I'm like, Lord, what is this? (laughs) And, and, And you start to kind of like envy that. And that starts to poison you. Little by little, every single relationship, you, you can't be happy about your friend because they got a promotion. Because it's there, that jealousy is there, and everyone's like, "Oh, I just got this this new um th- this new clothing from Nordstrom," and you're like, "Oh, that's great! It look horrible." Um, and you're 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 on one hand you're supposedly happy, on the other hand you you want them to fall. You want them to not pass their test, not to get their promotion, not be able to afford things. That will poison your relationships like nothing else. Do not allow jealousy to take a hold of your heart. Because once it starts doing that, it's going to destroy you from inside in. It's going to poison every single relationship, everything. So, what's the source? What's the solution for jealousy? Well, it's this verse in here that says this that. And Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. If you start to genuinely care about people's lives and, you, and every single time they have something they're excited about, you come alongside and you share in that joy, not only just sharing that joy, but you, you multiply that joy. I, you've done that before, right? Like you, you saw a video that it's so funny that your friend has to see it. I'm like, look, 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 but you're not looking. Like, you have to look. This is really funny. Like, this is really, and then if you have an excitement, I mean, if you guys didn't know this yet, last night, Max proposed to Dina. Sorry to call you guys out, but like, and like, I was just like, I was like a giddy girl like sitting there. I'm like, yeah, this is so exciting. Like, I'm so excited for them. I'm so, never mind the fact that I'm single, (laughs) right? But like, I am just so ecstatic about, you know, him proposing. Rejoice for those who rejoice. And in and those moments where you, somebody is going through a really difficult time, it, it, I encourage you to come alongside and say, hey, I'm with you in this. When my dad died, it wasn't the people that came up and you know, me like, like, you know why your dad died? Because of this. And I'm like, no, thank you. But you don't have to tell me why this happened. It's those people that came around and put their hand on me and saying, hey, I don't understand it, but I'm here with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to share your burden. I'm going to share your this, and we we got to get through this. You want to break jealousy? Start rejoicing with those who rejoice. And start weeping with those who weep. Next point is this, is another thing that affects the heart. Because jealousy, see... It says, God owes me. The next thing is, is that, you know, it's kind of like, it's not exactly like a poison, it's more like a cancer. Cancer, it just slowly starts to kind of invade everything. And cancer is guilt. Guilt says, if jealousy said, God owes me, guilt says, I owe them, I owe God. You see, sin is a debt. It's either a against other people, against God, or your body. It's, it's one of those. So when you feel guilty, if you don't take care of that, if you don't, if you don't fix that, it's going to be like a cancer that slowly is going to start invading every single aspect of your life. So how do you get rid of this cancer? Well, you're going to have to go and do some heart surgery, right? You might have to go through some chemotherapy. So how do you fix guilt? Well, guilt in James eight, uh, sorry, 4.8 says this, so draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you kind of a doom and gloom message in there. But it's a message of repentance. There's a time for joy. But if you're dealing with sin, this is where you have to come and ask for forgiveness. This is where you have to draw near to God and God will draw near to you. This is where you're going to have to humble yourself and say, Lord, this is what I've done. God, would you forgive me? Would you restore me? This is where you have to tr- turn your joy into you know, uh, into mourning and say, Lord, would you, would you forgive me and restore me? Guilt is cancer. It says, I owe them. If you don't make it right, it's going to be there. And a lot of people, they go and they they sin with someone and then they go and ask God for forgiveness, which is great. But remember, this is not just an offense against God. This is also an offense against other people. So you can't just go and ask God for forgiveness. You have to make it right with that person that you've, you've hurt. That's why Jesus, there's this concept in theology, it's called restitution, right? Like where we, you have to go. And make it right. If you stole from your employer, you have to go and make that very clear and try to make restitution. Because you see, a lot of time, people just sort of not care about it. And, and they go and they ask God for forgiveness, but they still don't feel forgiven. You know why? It's because you still haven't resolved this. If you have not resolved it with that person... It's going to be there. Every single time you see that person, it's going to be there. Every single time you pretend like you care about them, it's going to be there until you confront and say, Well, you said, you know, and then how I blew up at you, like that was not godly. That was not Christ-like. Would you forgive me? I want to restore, the, I want to restore this relationship. I want this relationship to change. Because you see, as long as there's a fight, as long as there's a sin between you two, there's going to be a chasm. If you can, go make restitution. Obviously, if the person passed away, if, if if things have happened, like, obviously you can't. But if you can, go and make restitution. First, go and ask God for forgiveness, and God will, will come and change your heart. You know, like, how you're like, yeah, but you don't understand, Slavic. Like, you don't understand what they've done. Yeah, I've done some things, but, like, you don't understand what they've done. Well, that's the next thing. You see, jealousy says... God owes me, okay? Guilt says, I owe them. The next thing that pretty much affects your heart is anger. Anger says, they owe me. They've done something that they shouldn't have done. They didn't do something that they were supposed to do, right? And anger is like a heart attack. You might not know, but the symptoms are there. And at a given moment... You snap. At a given moment, you take your revenge, and then people are like, What happened to you? What happened there is is it was there the whole time and then it just it just happened. It was an attack. Anger says, They owe me. They owe me. So how do you take care of the heart attack, right? Like, how do you mend that? How do you how do you well, you forgive. Forgiveness is is the great leverage that we have. Is is hey, whatever you did, I will not allow that to affect me anymore. Because you see, forgiveness is like drinking your poison yourself, expecting the other person to die. And I, I think in your study, you you saw that um, that line by Rick Warren that says, "Do you want to get well, or do you want to get even? Do you want to get you know better, or do you want to get even?" You see, you have to make sure that you don't allow the past hurts to still affect you today. Yeah, well, it's, it's easy for you to say, Salvik. It's, it's really easy for you to say, but you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand what people have done to me. How am I supposed to go and forgive them? How am I, it's easy to say, well, yeah, forgive, forgive. Well, first of all, uh, you should forgive, you know, because God says that. The Bible is very clear on this. Colossians 3, uh, 13 says that bear with one another. And if one has complained, uh, a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You also must forgive. So there's one thing that we're missing here. We don't forgive because they deserve it or not. We don't forgive because they deserve it or not. We forgive because we were forgiven. So, so, can you, like, here's the question that I have for you. Can you actually go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, um, thank you for forgiving me and all, but, like, you don't understand what I'm going through? Can you literally go to the cross? And a lot of people say, well, it's like I'm trying, but I can't. It feels different. It feels, I still feel anger. I feel, you know, well, forgiveness is not a feeling. You will still feel hurt. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? When Jesus was on the cross, those nails still pierced his hands. Those nails still pierced his feet. He was in a lot of pain. With every single breath that he took in, you know, he, he, he felt the pain. But looking at you and me, he said, God, forgive them. Father, forgive them because they, they don't know what they're doing. So you see, forgiveness is not, oh, if I forgive right now, I'm just going to feel great. Because even look at it this way. If, if, If you owe me $500 and I forgive you, I'm still short $500. I still feel the pain of my loss. If you decided not to pay me and I decided to forgive you, I'm still $500 short. I just choose not to remember that debt anymore. And every single time I do remember, say, that was paid, I forgave, I moved on. Forgiveness is that. It's not a feeling that you feel. It's, it's a decision that you make. And then every single time you remember, and then people say like, forgive and forget. Can you forget? Some of the things that you have to forgive, they're so life-altering that you can never forget. I'm sorry to say, but it's, it's almost impossible, unless it's for the grace of God, unless God intervenes into your life and completely changes you. Some of these things you can never forget. How do you forget someone that, like, maybe if if, if, if your dad left you, how do you forget that? You grew up 18 years without your dad being present. If someone, you know, messed with you, and, and you've dealt with some kind of molestation, where any kind of, like, sexual kind of problem, like, how do you... That'll that'll affect you for the rest of your life at times. It's hard to forgive those kind of things. But we forgive not because they deserve it or not. We forgive because we were forgiven. And I don't know about you, but I cannot go to the cross and say, yeah, Lord, that's great, but uh, uh, you don't understand me. Because you see, anger says that they owe me. Anger says, they owe me. So, I know there's so much more that affects the heart, but obviously I don't have to go to, into every single one of them. Jealousy says that God owes me, right? You have guilt that says, I owe them, right? Anger says that <laughs> they owe me. And the last one that I want to mention is greed. You know, greed, greed is kind of hard to detect, I mean, have you ever heard of someone repenting of greed? Have you ever like sat down and you're like, "Oh, I think I'm really greedy. Like, I'm really greedy." Has it has that ever dawned on you? It doesn't. Like any other sin, you feel guilty about it, but greed is kind of like it hides itself in plain sight, and it's really hard to 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 change. It's really hard to really deal. Greed is like fat. It just it's there but it's like i'm still good i mean i feel great <laughs> never mind their arteries are getting clogged and you go to the doctor and it's like how do you how do you deal with that how do you fix greed when you don't even think you have a problem right like you go to the doctor and the doctor's like yeah we diagnosed you we just have a lot of uh, cholesterol you have a lot of fat in your arteries um so what are gonna have to do is eat well Eat really healthy. Oh, yeah, I can I can definitely do that. I can buy that juicer again, you know, and, like, uh, get the salads. And I think mo- most of us, we don't have a problem with eating well and healthy. I think everyone wants to do it. You know, it, it's kind of hard at times, but it, everyone wants to do that. And in church, what that looks like is when you come here and you're like, oh, man, here, that message was just for me. It was perfectly sautéed and it was perfectly delivered. It was great. It was exactly what I needed. It was so good. It was awesome. But then when the doctor says, yeah, but um, the second part of this, you're going to have to exercise. Oh, doctor, you understand, like I have a heart problem. <laughs> um, exercising for me is not a good thing because it, it, yeah, I, I can eat healthy. And church, what that looks like is when you hear a really good sermon and then the pastor comes like, oh, that's great. So you can, can you lead the small group? Can you take the food that you were given and exercise that? Can you take that and like, oh yeah, that, that message about forgiveness was great. Oh yeah, can you take that and take it to your family and look at all the blanks where he applies and say, I'm going to insert it here and start exercising that. Oh yeah, that, that, that message is good. Take that and start applying it. Get on a treadmill. Get with a program and say, I will not sit back. I will get I whatever whatever little well Slavic <laughs> like you don't understand bro like I'm trying to get my life in order here myself like I I can't be like a leader and, like this is so crazy like I can't I can't do that because I'm not well myself trust me people in China they know two verses and they still preach about how good Jesus is. We are more prepared than any, any nation when it comes to spiritual growth and spiritual food. There's, you, you can podcast, you can go to church, you can go to worship, you can, get, you can do all those things. What I'm, what I'm saying is you're well fed spiritually. Stop complaining that you're not well fed. Right? Not that you are, but I'm just saying like, don't use that in, uh, as an excuse. Whatever little God has given you, take that and start applying it to you, your life. In the last five minutes, as we go towards closing, I want to mention this. That all these things, they affect the heart. And if you don't take care of them, it's going to fester. It's going to mess with you. It's going to change you. It's going to transform you. And my hope is that you, you look and you start identifying what you're dealing with. And when you're dealing with anger, you come alongside and say, you know what? I will not allow this. I will not allow this. To, to affect me. I will forgive. If you're dealing with guilt, I will go and seek forgiveness and I will make restitution. If you're dealing with jealousy, you got to rejoice with those who rejoice and you got to weep with those who weep. And if you are greedy, start giving. Start giving your time and your money and your energy and your resources. You cannot be giving and be greedy. Giving is not giving God. God has, He says, I owe, <laughs> I Actually, I own the the cattles on a thousand hills. I have all the gold and the diamonds. I I have all the money in the world. Do you think I need your tithe? I don't. But you give it because of you. Because it's going to change you. It's going to transform you. You know where all this gets resolved? At the cross. When you go to the cross, can you look at Jesus Hanging on the cross. And can you look at him and say, God, you still owe me? Really? Can you be jealous of the cross? As if God hasn't done enough for us. God gave us life. He didn't have to, but he did. God gave us redemption through Jesus Christ. He didn't have to, but he did. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to, but he did. He made everything possible for us to come to him. Can you be jealous of the cross? And maybe you are traveling through a broken body or through a broken family. Maybe you are going through a life like that and I don't want to minimize that. I understand the pain. I understand the hurt. But at the end of the day, can you look at the cross and say, God, Lord Jesus, you don't understand me? Can you say guilty of the cross? Because the, the cross is all about taking your guilt away. It was about Jesus taking your sin and saying, I will die for it so you don't have to. At the cross, you can't go to the cross and say, I'm still guilty because that was done for us. At the cross, you can't stay angry. Oh, they still owe me? Can you argue with Jesus and say, yeah, but you don't understand. I mean, that's a great sacrifice, Jesus, but um, you yeah, had this one time I was at church and like I was sitting in front and this lady came and she's like, that's my seat. Imagine the audacity. Really? And we have petty arguments like that. It's, it's dumb. Can you really go to the cross and say, yeah, I'm still angry about that person. I'm still guilty. I'm still jealous. Can you, can you go to the cross and be greedy? You know what greed, uh, greed says? I deserve this. <laughs> we deserve that. We deserved hell. But God has given us life. He gave, gave us eternity. Now I look at this powerful story that we have in the testimony of the testimony of Zacchaeus, and there's, there's this guy who never really fit in because he was a Jew, but then, but he was short, and he had to make up his personality. You know, like the short people always are like they have really big personalities. And then he kind of betrayed his own people and started collecting ta- taxes for the Romans, so he was the thug of the town. He ripped people off. And then he hears there's this, this person who can change your life. His name is Jesus. So he said, you know what, I, I've, I've, I've had the house, I, I had the money, I had all those things and none of them, I bought the juicer is what he's saying. I bought the you know vacuum cleaner and I, I went to Black Friday and did all that. and I, you know, But ne- nothing brought healing and restoration on the broken heart. I don't know how Zacchaeus grew up, but I'm sure he had his own hurts. People that kind of dismissed him. And he was angry about it. And then he started to, to, to rip people off and he felt guilty about it. And the more he ripped people off, the more greedy he got and the more money he had. And he realized that nothing and the more jealous he would get. None of that was fixing anything. Until this one day, this one encounter... Where Jesus looks at him and says, Get down from the tree. Today, I'm going to dine with you. Today is going to be unlike any other day. And so when Jesus dined with him, crazy thing happened, right? Like, this guy gets up and says, You know what? Everyone that I hurt, I want to give three times as much back. Like, I want to I make right with everyone. Like, I... Why? Because maybe he understood a love that he never had before. And when he understood it from here, it started to fix everything out here. So, until next year, till next Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving I, I wish when you go there, you would go a different person. That you would be reminded how much he loves you, how, how much he cares about you, and how much he gave up for you. That you won't stay jealous, guilty, angry, or greedy. So because of what He's done in my life, everything has changed. And now I can, even when people are spitting my face, I will love them because Christ loved us while we were still sinners, and we still spat in His face. We still hated Him. But He loved us. While we still hated Him, He loved us. And He says, the way they will know that you're my disciples, how you love one another. And By the way, John will say that we love because he loved us first. He forgave us first. He took our sin away first. He gave everything that he had first. So we don't have to be greedy, jealous. We don't have to allow our heart. So guard your heart. And and I want to close this, this one, you know, One passage that I love so much in Ezekiel 36, 26 is this I will and I will give you a new heart. I will put in you a new spirit. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. When you encounter Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) when you encounter him, he's gonna change you. change your calloused and stony heart is going to turn it around and then you'll be able to feel you'll give you know, you'll be more patient with people that maybe previously you were, you were extremely impatient with day by day you'll start feeling what other people are going through God will set up appointments for you to speak truth and love with those people God will start coming and healing the hurts that you've been carrying with you for 20 or 30 years now Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance and until next time, God bless you.